gift to be here in a clinic in the Valley of Texas. I am Lydia Nevares. We are in Culture of Life Ministries. We have with us today Dr. Stephen Robinson. He's a physician. Just have so many questions that have to do with the gift of life and the gift of medicine. Dr. Robinson, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here. It's always a pleasure to speak about life and it's about who we are in Christ and God, our Creator, created us and what that means and, and how do we navigate this world that has so many challenges that face us. Jornel, from here, where did you grow up? I was raised in Central Florida. My parents and two twin sisters that were younger than me grew up there uh, had a desire from an early age to do something in the medical field to become a doctor and and followed that i think the lord's hand was with me even at that age and and showed me some of it was from my father who who inspired me and, and told me i i needed to follow this path by god's grace i enrolled in medical school, was accepted at uh, Florida State University, and then finished at University of Florida, and moved to Oklahoma to complete my residency in family medicine. Worked with the Choctaw Nation for a few years, and after I was married there, and we had one son, we we were debt-free and felt this calling to do something more mission-minded, uh, more than just going to work and earning a paycheck. And that wasn't exactly what we were doing, but wanted something a little bit more adventuresome maybe. My wife and I were thinking of going to Russia in that area because she's actually from the Ukraine. But God had different plans, and we saw an, an ad for... a family practice down in Raymondville, Texas, which is the north part of the valley. And we prayed about it and felt led to do that. It was a practice where we would work uh, two months on and one month off. And we were thinking on that month off, we would go travel and do our mission work. Well, what happened is children came, two other boys, and it becomes more difficult traveling on planes and traveling across time zones with children. So uh, around, I think, 2010, 2011, God put it on my heart through after praying to give my services away for free. Well, how is it that I think the the Lord speaks in different ways to different people, and he, of course, there are patterns that you see in the history of man's relationship with God, dating back to the scriptures. I mean, there's the still small voice in the heart. There's uh, the scriptures which we have now for the last two thousand years, and and there's 
different things that will happen in our life, events or circumstances, and then sort of an epiphany or awakening of it wasn't just happen chance. This was God's hand on this. And I think a combination of all those things has brought me to where, where I am today. And it is so wonderful that um, a couple of years ago I met you mm-hmm. um, through the pro-life movement. Yes. I actually met you about 10 years ago in, uh, in a conference, a pro-life conference. I met Sister Nancy Boucher, Dr. Marta Garza, and you the same day. Wow. I do remember very clearly. And it's interesting because you say, and you saw an ad on the paper, my... Um, in our family also, because the family ministry through natural family planning, it came through an ad in the newspaper. Hmm. Interesting. We were living in a college campus uh, here in a town in Texas, and um, my husband comes so happily. I was nursing our first baby. Uh, I remember clearly, and I, uh, he opens the door, and I'm nursing our two-year-old pre-month old baby, and he says, Lydia, look what I found. I think this is what we've been looking for. And the advertiser said, Natural family planning. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's so wonderful. It is. We didn't know what it was, but we knew we were looking for something. And, and it was like, there has to be something. There has to be something. Okay, so then you arrive in the valley. I arrived in, we moved in in 2007. Uh, moved to Harlingen, but I commuted to Raymondville. We... Uh, we're in the practice, I say we, my wife and I, because yes. you, you feel like you're together on this. In 2012, I decided to take my first step towards doing what God had called me to do. It was a, it was a struggle because it was a very, I thought, extreme thing that God would ask for me to give up my day job and just go out on my own to give my services away for free. How would I take care of my my wife and my children? And it was something I wanted to make sure that it was of God. And so there was a period of discernment. So 2012, I started transitioning to half a day a week doing what I'm doing now. 2013, I formally ended private practice. And isn't it also... What you saw around you that gave you confirmations, the need of the healthcare that people sometimes doesn't have a way of uh, paying for services. Yeah. This part of the valley, there's a lot of people that really don't have insurance and don't have a way of paying. It's a very unique area, the valley is, I think. Uh, you, you have uh, Mexico just a few miles away, and so you have two cultures you actually i think have a third culture the valley culture yes. which is a mixture of the mixture. mexican and uh, united states uh-huh. um, but you have uh, you have wealth here because we're on the u.s side of the border but you have extreme poverty you have folks that have just come over um, you have immigrants that are tr- trying their hardest to make a living and uh, the extremes in the, even the dwellings here, the colonias, yes. shanties, and, and big two-story homes, uh, not too far apart from one another. A very big contrast, right? A very big contrast, yes. The, but it, it's interesting, though, knowing that I wasn't able to see past 
my paradigm, so to speak, for how a doctor should work. I, I always felt like it was, you know, the economic model of you provide your services, you, you get paid for what you provided. Um, the Lord had proposed around 2010, 2011, to a, a new, and actually it's not a new model, but it was to me a new model in, in the modern mind. Um, I was actually at that point thinking of doing direct primary care or something similar to concierge medicine where you have monthly prescribers. They subscribe to your service, pay a monthly fee, and then they are able to access health care. They have all the benefits. Yes. And I told the Lord that's what I wanted. And he said, well, that's not what I want for you. <laughs> so... It's a family, it's your wife, it's your kids. Everybody's involved in this because um, being a married man, being a head of the house, uh, being a Catholic doctor as well, mm-hmm. how beautiful opportunity that all of you are immersed on this service. Yes. I, I just imagine things that I'm sure that there's prayer going on sometimes in your house for situations that are here in the clinic or with patients. Well, it yes, that does happen, but it's not as angelic as some people would think. Um, sometimes more busyness than we would like, trying to work with schedules and, you know, the the life of a missionary. Sometimes things happen in the evening times more than the regular worker. Yes. And so the evening meal sometimes gets trumped. And there's this constant desire to protect that and protect family time. So, Yes, but it's a beautiful teaching, um, I'm sure, for, for all of you, for, for your kids as well, that following God's call sometimes is not easy, but it's doable. That's correct. And the, the idea, um, it, it started earlier in my college career, after reading some of the encyclicals of St. John Paul II on the family, uh, is it Familiaris Consortio? Uh, just really driving home the fact that although we have great Catholic education in schools, parochial schools, and, and different things that our, our diocese and parish can offer us, really you're the way God set up education, the best Catholic education you'll get is is in your home. That's where it should be. And as a future husband, I really took that to heart and and prayerfully uh, brought that through in in what I do. Uh, as a future husband, you were not even married yet, and you were immersed in this familiaris consortium. Yes. How beautiful. And I, I recommend that for anyone who is thinking about that. Um, you know, the Lord has different walks of life for different folks. Most commonly is the married life. And even those that don't go into the married life and God's calling them to be single or to be part of a religious order, this is going to help because we're all part of the same family of God. God uses shadows and and his model in different ways and and the fact of being a in a family 
and learning how to work in your part as the family. We're, we're all learning in this together, but to bring in all of the things that we need to and not relegate them to others. And I, I would like to ask you, tell me something about your mother when you were young. Well, my, my mother, she, actually, the, it, it is a, it's, a, it's a somewhat sad story, but a somewhat happy story as well, mixed. Uh, she uh, was a very faithful woman of God. She raised us uh, to go to church every week. And uh, one of her favorite devotions was, was Advent, with the Advent wreath, and trying to do family devotions at least once a week um, around the, the Advent wreath, lighting the candles and reading scripture and praying together. Um, she ended up having brain cancer. And uh, when I was 12, uh, she, she finally succumbed to that and passed away. But, um, you know, the Lord has things, tragic moments that happen in her life. And I'm reminded of what St. Paul says to give thanks always for everything that happens. And that has been one, one thing that I've learned. We all have tragedies and we have to give thanks because it's an opportunity to draw closer to God. And that's what, what I had to do after losing my mother. I'm sorry that you lost your mother when you were so young. Yes. And, uh, but how beautiful the way you're talking about her. And actually, I'm a convert to the Catholic faith. So we grew up in the Episcopal Church. Oh, I see. Yes. Um, but my first Catholic Bible actually came from my mother. Wow. Yes. It was, uh, I don't know how she got it, but it was one of the things in my journey into the Catholic Church. It was a very, very helpful, uh, helpful book for me. You mentioned that John Paul II, I myself had a big conversion. Being Catholic wasn't really uh, all there as a Catholic. And through the encyclicals, the readings of John Paul II, Love and Responsibility, and all of this, is how I realized that, wow, I'm not really living as a Catholic as I should. My husband and I also went through this path, even being Catholics. Uh, and we got to this understanding, not only as you do when you read something, but deeply in our heart. And we western the intercession of all of these wonderful writings of John Paul II. Yes, what a treasure that we have from this man of God who wanted to just pass on all of the things that he learned from our Lord in his, his pilgrimage here on earth. Um, all right, so um, to start something that you know God wants and you know... You've been discerning about it, and okay, this is it. We start now. How did it happen? Well, you know, I, I see there's two types of people. There's planners, and then there's those that go out and do. And there's all sorts of folks in between. Uh, I tend to be a doer, so I didn't, I didn't think much. I didn't plan much. I did one of, one of the ways I was able to get my feet moving on this was uh, getting out of the fear of what was going to happen. I, I asked the Lord, would it be okay if we compromised where I 
just took some baby steps and the Lord was okay with that. He said, sure. And so when I blocked my schedule for my clinic for Thursday morning to start this, the day finally came in November, 2012 and didn't know what was going to happen. I had emailed some friends said, please pray for me. Don't know what, what this is going to do. And I had pictured myself maybe doing home visits, uh, didn't have anything really. So I got out. Uh, I was going to act on this and see if this was really something that God had his hand in or was it contrived in my imagination. And so I kissed my wife goodbye at eight o'clock in the morning and got in my car and drove. And the spirit led me, just a thought came in, why don't I go to St. Anthony Parish where I went to, went to Mass. I went into the office, asked to speak to Father Larry, and they said, no, he's not available. So I said, okay. So as I was leaving, walking out the door, there he is, coming in, walking his dog. And uh, he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> it's a work day. <laughs> and I explained to him this, this idea that I thought was still crazy and he said, well, he looked at the secretary and he said, what do we have for Thursday mornings over at the Annex building, which is a, a house that they had acquired and re renovated? She said, nothing. He said, we'll book the rest, all the Thursdays for the rest of the year with Dr. Robinson. So I went from having nothing to a place to meet now. Wow. That is God's work. Yes. In preparation for some time and then confirmation, right? Yes. That every step of the way, the Lord has been faithful and I've seen his hand work. He lets us take our steps of faith and uh, sometimes they're scary. Uh, sometimes we don't know that they're steps of faith till we look back. Um, he, you know, it says, um, your word is a lamp unto my feet. And I like that idea of a lamp. It's not a, it's not a flashlight or, or a, a, a big beam where you can see far away. He just shows you where you can step, right. where your feet can go to the next step. You it's illuminating what is next. Yes. And, and that's how it's been. Uh, we, uh, we started uh, and... The first day didn't have a patient, but I did have someone come by and write a check for a donation. All right. Which was... Because that's important also. It's needed. Whenever yes. you started with something that there's nothing in there, but it's, I imagine it was just a room with nothing medical. Exactly. The, so bought some basic equipment, a okay. scale to measure weight on, tip thermometer, blood pressure cuff. And the, the next week we had some patients. Word got around. And the week after that, a few more volunteers. And then within a few months, the church across the street, they wanted to they know. They join in? Yes, they asked to speak with me. And wow. so I met with their elders and they, they were curious. They wanted to know what was going on. And so I told them and they asked, how can we be a part of this? And I like that question. It's also a confirmation. Somebody else wants to be in this. Yes. And it's it, it also helps one to know that this is bigger than than you. It's, it's not me. It's that God started something that 
yes, he's called me to it, but it's it's a it may be a movement or or something he wants to accomplish, and he's going to bring his the people he's he's asked. So very selected each one of persons yes. that has been part of this, and the ones that are coming. Exactly. Right. He's had the. Uh, he has certain people with certain gifts, and that's what I've I've been learning a lot these days. That everyone has their own gifts and abilities that that I may not have much of at all, mm-hmm. and we're brought together to work together, and we accomplish great things. I remember. Uh, and then after that, you moved to another building. Yes, well, after that church, uh-huh. uh, another church asked. So the space was not big enough to accommodate everything, I guess? It was uh, not only space, but I think just people wanting to be a part of it. You know, when when a, when a church has something that comes in, they, they really like the fact that that's a ministry now that they're a part of. And that's so beautiful. Like you said, they can bring their own gifts, their own their own doings, their own planning, their own to integrate all of this care for the body that God had created. And how not to fall on your knees for this. Yes. And celebrate that this is bigger. Yes. And it it was something that I thought would just be a, a Catholic movement, in other words, within just the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. but it, it, and the bishop, our Bishop Flores, when he looked at it the first time we met about this, he, he mentioned, he said, this is an ecumenical movement, and this is good. You, you, should, you should not try to fight this. And to see the body of Christ coming together and, and working. Of course, the, the mission of it is very Catholic in, in terms of what we do and, and what we do not do. Give us an example of the Catholic healthcare, Catholic medical care, because you embrace a culture of life with all the teachings of Jesus Christ, but of the Catholic Church. What is, uh, talk to us about this. And actually in history, it's a very, I would say, new movement for us as Western civilization to adopt a lot of the things in medicine that go on now, such as contraception. Um, I don't think abortion's that new, but the the different ways we do abortion are just because technology has grown. But uh, st- sterilizing and even getting into gender issues where we're trying to change people to be something that they were not genetically born with. Um, all of these things, you know, are crept in, I think, in Western medicine around the 1800s. And with them comes a lot of, of baggage and uh, confusion. And I think things that just aren't uplifting for, for, for ones of faith. There's all sorts of difficulties with them. Um, I remember listening to a, a tape by a woman called Janet Smith. Oh, yes. Uh, called Contraception, Why Not? It was, thinking in my first year of medical school. And that really got me thinking of, wow, I didn't realize that these issues were there. How perfect when you were in medical school, when you were being trained also for all of these possibly 
I'm sure about contraceptives and all of this mm -hmm. through medical school. Yes, it was very, it was my first year. So I hadn't really had any run-ins of whether I should or shouldn't. It was really more of a shadowing of a Catholic physician. And he had had a patient that they had talked about uh, the birth control pill and whether to go on it or not. And he saw it was my curiosity was piqued because that wasn't a, a typical thing that most of the doctors did. And so he, he gave me that tape and said, I want you to, this is why I do what I do, why I believe what I believe. Uh, so I, I, I really started learning just how, uh, how impactful the, the church's teaching is on medicine and how it's been there from the beginning. It's not anything new, but they've been preserving that which was handed to them. And uh, with contraception, for example, contraceptives, usually the woman uses hormonal contraceptives. So is that really caring for the body? And I think it goes deeper into the, the psyche of us using the, our own bodies for something. Um, and, you know, mostly with contraception, we are trying to make this decision of whether we're going to be open to fertility or not. Fertility is there. When you're single, there's no, there's no question on that. You know, you may be fertile, but if you are not with someone, then there's, there's no problems. But when you get with someone, whether, let's say, you're not married, then there's issues that come up and you have to decide, are you going to live by God's way or are you going to live by your own? And that can be for single people wanting to have relationships outside of marriage or even within marriage, you know, taking, I guess, taking the role into your own hands, what God has always traditionally had. Demanding. This is happening, this is not when, when you're not open to life in your marriage life. Yes. Isn't it? And it, it brings the definition of marriage into question. What, right. what, what are God's plans for you when you get married? Is, it, is this fertility issue something that you have a right to just push away and say, well, I'm going to have this when I want to? You push it away using things, using hormones or other things. And then when you want it back, sometimes it's not there. Yes, that's very true. Because it also causes damages to the body, especially women. Yes, very, very true. Uh, we have to be encouraging. And as a Catholic physician, that is one of the things I've I've learned and I'm still learning is we have to encourage people how to live correctly, how to be healthy in the true sense of the word. And there are certain things we don't want to get into because it's not only healthy from maybe damaging our bodies, maybe a cancer could come up from a, a hormone that we're taking in yes. for this or blood clots or you know, a stroke, um, but it could, it's damaging our psyche and our, our way of thinking and, and our way of living and acting uh, in maybe subtle ways that we don't notice at first. 
I know that there's been studies going on about the way it changes uh, the different parts of our brain and our perceptions about danger and emotions and all of that. It's like if we're not being ourselves anymore, driven by something that is no part of our nature. I see it. I see it with clients that come and see us that many issues that arise, side effects, emotional issues, but women are suffering. And our way of life changes and our way of thinking changes and, and even our, our theology changes, the way we see God, the way we interact with God and others. And I think that's one of the big reasons uh, Pope John Paul II wrote a series of sermons and compiled them into what we have now as theology of the body. Yes. To really give us an idea of how wonderful God's plan is for us if we will just follow it. It's so wonderful how Holy Mother Church have always tried to care for this gift of life. And that's, for example, in Humana Vitae. Yes. That's also a manifestation of this is what might happen. And this is what have happened. Yes. With the use of, of all of this, uh, of the pill at, at that time, and how it has been, uh, there is a part of Humana Vitae that says, uh, your children will grow. Children of, of couples that are not contraceptive, that I'm following the teachings of Yamane Vite. The kids, their children, have an opportunity to grow on the moral values that are so important for us as a person, simply as a person. Definitely. And uh, in, in our quest for sainthood, I mean, is as followers of our Lord, as, as members of His body, the church, our, our goal, we, we, we have our eyes set on, on Jesus. We, we're running this race and we want, to, we want to obtain the crown. We want to be saints. We want to grow in these virtues. And, but what better way than to, to follow the rules? I'm going to read about your mission statement uh, here. It says, uh, you serve all people in the community and all the areas. Uh, you strive to restore physical, mental, and spiritual health. How everything has to be integrated. Yes. It's not only the body, but it's also the soul. Exactly. We're, we're not just body and we're not just soul. God, God made us united in, in that. And when we forget one aspect of it, then the whole body can't be healed. And, and how wonderful it is that a lot of our modern medicine came from the church, came from missionaries that would go out and bring people maybe even into their homes and care for them. Uh, I'm thinking of some of the missionaries that came across into the U.S. during the the early days and you look at big different cities across the u.s and you'll see these these catholic hospitals and there's a story there of these nuns or our brothers that come in and just live a life of poverty giving up themselves heroic virtues to help the people there they also realized back even in those times that prayer was an important part and anointing and the sacraments of healing.
um, how integral they were even for taking care of someone who had high blood pressure or, or anxiety or, or any, any of those ailments. Uh, it's, in, it's interesting. There's studies now showing how important attitude is in cancer patients, right. helping to heal cancer. Attitude is everything, some will say. Uh, well, what better way to, to have a great attitude than to be in communion with our Lord? I have been in this clinic through the day, and that is a time when you will pause in mid-morning, and that's special. Yes, that is our, our time when we get together as volunteers, and we introduce new ones that have come. Um, we, we announce things that are going on in our life or events coming up, and we take some time to share our prayer requests and to pray for one another. And also time to really focus maybe on one aspect of our mission, what we're doing and why we're called. As humans, we are very forgetful. And you know our Lord calls us to remember. And so it's, it's something that we need to do frequently. We, we need to remember our mission while we're here. Why are we treating people differently? And you are. It's a beautiful place here. There is such a dignity with the care that everybody receives here. Well, praise God for that. <laughs> we, yes. we hope to continue that as a legacy as we move forward. I think, you know, the, the mission, one of the reasons it, in our mission statement we put that we do not offer contraceptives or refer for abortions or sterilizations or assisted suicide, we needed to clarify what that meant, uh, embracing the culture of life. Uh, it was, of course, that was, I think, coined originally from St. John Paul II again, if it was the gospel of life or one of his encyclicals. Uh, that he talks about a culture of life and a culture of death. And we grow as people, as humans, when we are within a culture of life. We flourish because that's the way God created us. When we have the culture of death, even if it starts to creep in, all of the, the, the difficulties, the sin, uh, the problems, uh, shame and guilt will start to, to come in. And, and so we are doing our best to, to be that beacon, that light on a hill within our community, to, to take that stand and hopefully to be forerunners or frontrunners in this race of promoting healing in the most dignified way. Yes. How many volunteers are there in the clinic now? Well, we found in the volunteer world, some will come, some will go. And so our roster is about 200 that we have to clean up every once in a while for those that have moved on. But there are the ones that are really here week in and week out, I would say maybe 60. And they're the ones that, that come in and, and do their part we have found that because God gives different gifts to people and has made us with different personalities, that those with certain gifts, they do their part, and it's like their ministry. 
And so everyone has their own individual unique ministry. They're working together and, and therefore that's why we have our, our name is not just one ministry, but ministries, culture of life ministries. And um, what, are all the, what are the services that are provided here? Uh, we, we have primary care consultations, so someone who needs to see a doctor. And uh, women's health care, we started early on offering laboratory services. So checking blood sugars, kidney function, liver function, blood counts, urine uh, exams. Um, ultrasonography came in early on as well. Um, we, uh, as a physician uh, from private practice, some of the skills that I had that were maybe a little different than your typical primary care doctor, mm -hmm. I offer those such as uh, stress tests for the heart, endoscopy such as a colonoscopy or EGD to check the stomach. Um, and it's amazing how we've been able to help the community. Patients that maybe even in other indigent clinics where it's not offered, we can, we can sometimes do those things to help people out. And for those that we can't do here, a few years ago we started a voucher program which helps us uh, donors have been gracious and donated more than we need to run the clinic. So that extra money we, we help uh, for patients that don't have quite enough money or don't have what any What other services that are not offered? Exactly. We, we try to make things work within their budget. Yes. Gracias a Dios. Sí. If a woman has an IUD, can it be removed yes. in this clinic? We, we do IUD removals. We don't insert them. No. <laughs> that will be totally against the culture of life. Yes. Uh, but we, we, and we try to get people to uh, places, if we can't offer it here, uh, that would help maybe reverse things. Uh, some people, um, it's, I think, growing more now where some men or women are wanting to have a reversal of a sterilization. And so trying to find a doctor that would do that for them. Like because we, I think the closest one is by San Antonio, San Antonio area. Right. Yes. yes. But we've sent folks out, out of the valley, um, and, and we get creative when we do that sometimes. You know, in, in a Sanato family planning teacher, when we do seminars, sometimes we encounter women didn't know what they were doing. So if someone's considering that, um, and even other things that are needed for their health, I always try to encourage people to, to give them hope. Yes. Because uh, one of the things that Satan likes to do is take away our hope to where we feel, oh, it's impossible. And with God, all things are possible. Uh, when we unite to to do things together, God moves in amazing ways. God has been giving you the opportunity to serve. You were able to follow that call. Your family is part of this. Your friends are part of this. Other physicians are part of this. It's intense to work here. It is. It's a, it's a very active thing, and uh, one of the things that we all need as human beings is, is time to get away sometimes, and just like Jesus did. 
going into the desert to pray or going and praying all night somewhere in a, in a place where he withdrew. Uh, that that is something that um, more recently now I've begun to intentionally plan retreats. Uh, we just went on a silent retreat recently, which was an amazing time with our Lord. But those things w- we all need. We need to stay close to our Lord and to really hang our hats on the idea that we need to be faithful and not necessarily successful. I have to be willing to look at this ministry and and be okay if the Lord said tomorrow we're going to shut this down and volunteers leave and the money funding dries up and I have to be okay with saying, okay, Lord, blessed be your name. I think the biggest problems are when we want to do something so badly that God knows is it's going to hurt us or it's not going to be the best thing. And so the... I always like to, if possible, uh, to be able to go somewhere and just take in some time with the Lord, find out what He wants for me. And, and He's always provided ways. I think most of the time it's we, we desire to keep doing something and we forget about Him, and, but He's so gentle in reminding us. And we, we really have to be close to Him uh, you know, there have been times in my life, and I know others, where it gets so almost crazy the way things are moving in, and worries and concerns start to happen because you think, well, it should have gone this way, but it didn't. It went the other way, and oh, how sad. And, and I always, what really helps me is bringing it back to, okay, Lord, I'm just a steward. You're the boss. I don't have to worry about this because you've already got it under control. It was a good day. I don't know why things went that way, but I I trust it into your holy will and let it be done. I honor that. I honor that trust that you have. And uh, I want to thank you so much for listening to God, for being open since your younger years. You have given us wonderful examples of how to follow, how to listen, how to stay still sometimes, and overall, how to pray. Thank you so much. Well, uh, all glory be to God for that. I, I think He, uh, you know, I don't know exactly why, but uh, he, the grace He's given me has just has been amazing. And uh, I, it's, it's, all, it's all because of Him. We just have to be uh, open. To, to being his instrument, him using us, yes.